This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Shall we begin? And welcome to a special limited edition BFM's 15th birthday version of Popcorn Culture. You are with Lynn, Sharmila and Arvin. Friends, say hello very, very quickly. Hello. Hello, hello. Faster, faster. Okay, so the the premise of today's show (laughs) is that it is BFM's 15th birthday. And because of that, we are doing a little special in which we're talking about our 15 favourite films that we have reviewed in the time that Popcorn Culture has been on air. It's going to be a very fast-paced show. I apologise for that. Um, But we are starting off with a grouping of three three out of 15, which are our classics, uh, Casablanca, The Godfather and Rashomon. Also known as like the granddaddies of cinema, right? A little I bit, mean, yeah. It, I feel so stressed having to talk about Casablanca, Godfather and Rashomon in like, I don't know, 30 seconds. Except to say that if you ever thought movies were overrated and they can never hold up to that level that, you know, cinema textbooks talk about, these three movies are a great case for why that's not true. I feel like they hold up 20, 30, 40 years after. And I think they'll continue to hold up years to come. This is also like the Ken section of movies, right? Like, have you heard about The Godfather? Yes. Like, can I talk to you about The Godfather? Um, I mean, there are like 12-ish movies that you must watch and review if you're doing like a movie show or you have like a movie-centric podcast. We've done a few and, and these movies are in that list, right? Um, and they 100% belong on that list. I also think it gives the watcher like a, like a badge, like a film badge. You know, you can say that... I, I don't watch movies. I watch Rashomon or I watch The Godfather. You know, they're not just movies, you know? You know what I will say about each of these three is that firstly, they live up to the hype. I think we, we spoke about this and yeah. how in different ways we, you know, it, it kind of addresses... Uh, separate section, separate sections of you know what scratches the film itch in the brain. But one thing that stands out to me, thinking about all three, and I think that they would actually make an incredible triple bill. Is, wow! Yes. Yeah, yeah. The themes of uh, revenge or what it means to act upon anger or or to not act upon anger in some instances. But can I just say that all three of these movies are impeccably lit and shot? And you know, since we're in the film section, I feel like I can mm-hmm. say that. But the ways that there are shots in these movies that I. I continue to think about. Also, they are so watchable. I think that's really important to say. People get intimidated by these so-called classics because they think that it's going to require you to do too much work to watch them. All three of these films, they are so entertaining as well as well-made. I think the only asterisk, asterisk is that they are watchable, but they're not super re-watchable, for me at least. Um, it takes a lot of like prep and mental prep to watch something like The Godfather. It's not something I can put on on a weekend and watch. That's an ear shift as much as anything else, right? Like your ear has mm. to shift to the old-timey dialogue. Um, for mm. Rashomon, and you have to pay attention. Yes, uh, for Rashomon, yeah. I remember the wailing took a little while for me to to get <laughs> used to. I was like, oh no, this is going to keep happening. Okay, so that's our first three out of fifteen. Again, Casablanca, The Godfather, Rashomon, highly recommend. Actually, there's a list of just high recommendations. The next set. Um, much more recent. Uh, We've spoken about them each at length. They come up in almost every supercut. And that is RRR, Top Gun Maverick, and of course, Oppenheimer. 
Look, I never thought I'd ever create a list where RRR and Oppenheimer ended up in the same same section of same that thing, list. What? It's a buddy comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Self-serious men, yes. Um, no, but actually what these three movies have in common is that for me, as well as so many other people, they revitalize an interest in cinema and going to the theater. And they're all post-pandemic movies. And I think they serve a really important part in this whole ecosystem, right? Firstly, they're all just so um, immersive. You truly enjoy being in the cinema. Um, And, well, not Oppenheimer so much, but RRR and Top Gun, they're just so much fun. And Oppenheimer in the same way, like it elevates your emotions in a way that makes you really appreciate watching a movie. Am I wrong to say that the buzz and the hype from these movies is sometimes so strong that and so positive that they also tend to paint at least for me, my view of the movies that come out after, like I feel like the movies that have come out after Oppenheimer, I've been very forgiving and lenient towards them. Like, it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> Oppenheimer exists. I can always go and watch that movie again. Um, and I think the, it's, it's a very real thing, right? You watch a good movie in the cinema and then you have, uh, you have such a positive experience of that movie that you kind of want to go watch movies in the cinema again just to recreate that for for me at least like you know after watching top gun maverick and and oppenheimer i miss rrr in the cinema but it just makes you like seeing things on such a big screen and having that experience. Yeah, the immersive experience is a really, really big part of all three. I will also say that in comparison to what we just mentioned about um, our first set of classics, I think all three are very rewatchable. I say this as someone who mm. hasn't yet rewatched <laughs> Oppenheimer, um, but I have a good reason for that. that. That actually comes down to time. I just cannot find the three hours to set aside. Um, and it's not really three hours, you know, because it's three hours plus the driving, plus the eating, plus all the rest of it. And and I just can't seem to get that time to go to an IMAX again, despite the fact that I actually feel quite strongly about this and would really want to. Um, But I think that RRR and Top Gun Maverick are each movies that I've already rewatched a few times by now. And, and I think that I will continue to do so because they have that remarkable quality of being simultaneously candy and pleasing and really fun, um, but also very satisfying film experiences. And I think when I look at the three, um, the, the thing that stands out to me is that in some ways they're each a celebration of set pieces. They, they each have tremendous set pieces, mm. um, but that's not the only reason you watch the film. It's just that that's the thing that you remember after you're like, wow, I remember that sequence. So I think they were all made by people who genuinely believe in the cinematic experience and it really shows in the in the film. I also wanted to say that I agree with you, Lynn, that they're also rewatchable. Um, and perhaps I, I identify with what you're saying because Oppenheimer is rewatchable as a piece. You watch the whole thing as a movie. But RRR and Top Gun Maverick, though, I actually sometimes just look up particular scenes on YouTube because they make me feel excited. Of course, with RRR, there's the song, there's the whole animal menagerie leaping out scene, which I love rewatching, but I completely agree. These are movies that I can see myself rewatching over and over again. Oh, that's so interesting because I I haven't seen Top Gun Maverick since the cinema. Um, I don't think I'll watch Oppenheimer because I I feel like I cannot recreate the same thing at home. Ooh. And you mm. know, it feels weird for me watching it on a small screen because nothing I do is going to give me that experience anymore. Um, and I wanted to ask like so two questions like does Top Gun Maverick hold up that well? And the second thing is like remember when we used to make fun of Top Gun Maverick before it came out? Like how lame <laughs> a Top Gun sequel? Like who wants to watch this movie? They 
call it Maverick and now it's different. Well, it is. Uh, so I, having rewatched it now, uh, like I said a few times, I, as you were speaking, Arvind, I had a smug Maverick-esque smile on my face because I knew the yeah. answer. And that is that it really is, uh, it really does hold up. Um, sometimes I don't watch the whole thing. Sometimes I watch up until the scenes that I, I absolutely want to, like when Maverick aces the thing that people didn't think he was going to ace or when he, you know, does his good morning aviators. I don't know. Um, it's it's enough for me because the the whole journey of it is, yeah, partly an emotional one, but partly also it's just, it was just a really fun film. Yeah, I think the fun carries it through. And also you kind of have memories of watching it in the cinema. So then you kind of transpose the feeling you mm. had in the cinema to the smaller screen. I'll give it a shot. I will give it a shot. Much like Maverick always does. So, okay, <laughs> thus far we're six movies in. Uh, we're going to do another couple before the break. And now we're in our cosy, female-centric, although one is less female-centric, maybe you could argue, uh, films. Both of them are Little Women and Princess Bride. This is also a great double bill, isn't it? Because I wouldn't have thought to pair the movies together. But when you do, I feel like the vibe, the cozy vibe, the sense of a, a very welcoming world that you kind of want to live in, they're both so... They're, the, they're both such warm movies to watch. And yet, I think there's a lot under the surface that isn't as um, perhaps just girly fun, quote-unquote, as it might seem. Actually, talking about Princess Bride makes me want to watch Princess Bride. Right, um, instantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As so, well yeah. as wave a sword around and, you know, say that line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is like a super rewatchable movie. You don't even have to watch from the start. You can just jump in like halfway and then finish it and then watch it next week again, like the first half. It doesn't matter. It's like a jigsaw puzzle movie. Um, so charming, so cozy, so warm. Little Women, I will admit that I still haven't seen the originals because I said during our review that the newest movie, the, the Greta Gerwig version, felt like a tribute. And I feel like, why go watch the older movies when I have the best of album? You know, it's not, I don't, I, I also said I don't think it's the best version, even though I haven't seen the older ones, but... <laughs> Why go watch the older ones when I have this already? So, I have such guilty. I have such a strong sense memory of watching Little Women. You know, um, yeah. I, I remember going to the cinema. It was and it, I, I went I went alone. It was an event just for me, and I I so loved. I I think your mention, Sharmila, of the word welcoming is so key. Um, and Greta Gerwig increasingly has been touted and seen as a filmmaker who celebrates female ambition. And actually, that's how I think of her. And I think Little Women is almost a thesis statement of that, despite the fact that everybody puts in a really strong performance. With Little Women, you're always going to need a great Joe. And I think I love the Joe in Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Princess Bride is here because Princess is in the title, but frankly, it's a boys movie. And I say this with love. I love Princess Bride, but it's a boys film. It's a boys film, but you know, um, I was thinking as you were speaking, Lynn, about how what Greta Gerwig does, which she did with Little Women and with Barbie, is actually pretend she's making a straight feminist film and then kind of complicate even ideas of what that mm. means, right? And Princess Bride does the exact thing with boys. It sets the sort of very archetypal male fantasy characters into a world that is a little bit more feminine. And then you realize, hey, they've all got emotions and, you know, they they want to have friends and they want to have a bit of a laugh. And I think that's really clever, especially for a movie that comes from the 80s. Actually, I just started like mentally dissecting when you said it's a boy's movie, The Princess Bride. And it is. Um, I, I don't know why I didn't realize, but it is. It, it is such a boy's movie. 
in a really fun way. In a really fun, yes, celebratory, yeah. loving yeah. way. But yeah, it is a boys' film. Anyways, uh, we are talking today about the top 15 movies that we've reviewed in our time on air in celebration of BFM's 15th birthday. Uh, very, very quick rundown. Casablanca, Godfather, Rashomon, RRR, Top Gun Maverick, Oppenheimer, Little Women, The Princess Bride. And that gets us up to eight. We'll return with our seven. After this, um, let us know what would you have added to the list? What would you have taken away? You can WhatsApp 18 899 Tweet us at BFM Radio. Baba from Malacca. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the special BFM 15 edition of Popcorn Culture because we are using the occasion of BFM's 15th birthday to talk about our 15 favouritest, most favouritest uh, films that we've reviewed. So uh, we're down to the next seven. This next part is what I would like to call weird, trippy, the weirdies. Um, and that <laughs> is The Lighthouse, Uncut Jams, and Everything Everywhere All at Once. <laughs> I can't believe you went with Uncut Jams. It, Jams. I, actually, I can't hear it in any other way. Um, uncut Gems for the uninitiated. Um, yeah, but if you know it, you know it. Uncut Jams. So, I mean, weirdos, weirdies is, is perfect for this category. But I also think that these three movies are movies that are completely not what you expect when you go in watching. Um, they are all difficult in their own ways as well. They, they ask a little bit more from the person watching. Um, but if you persevere, um, there's so much that's, that's... You come out, I think, in a way, feeling what you feel with our first three movies, the Casablancas of the world. A sense of like... a a creator wanting to put together something that is memorable, that's challenging, that stretches the limits of what movies can do. Um, and I love it. I love weird movies in general. So these three, for me, hold a really special place. I also feel like these weird movies are some of our best, um, always like it's some of the most fun reviews to do because we don't know what to expect yeah. before watching the movie, right? Um, I remember for The Lighthouse, we didn't get it here. They didn't show it in cinemas. And then it popped up on HBO, I want to say, like on some random Monday one week. And we're like, okay, let's let's watch The Lighthouse. Um, it is still peak Willem Dafoe for me, uh, besides Green <laughs> Goblin, which is a, just a sentimental favorite. Um, I don't know if it's peak... Pattinson after the Batman. Do you guys think it's peak, peak like Pattinson, the lighthouse? I think it is. I think it's the, the best example of the fact that he's not the vampire dude. He's an actor. He's an actor. He is an actor. And um, I also think it's a tremendous example of a two-hander, really, because the lighthouse mm. lives and dies on those two guys. And there are, again, I for me, I've realised increasingly in, in doing this list that a lot of it has to do with indelibility um, in terms of whether I remember something. And that could be an indelible image, just something that I keep remembering. Uh, it could also be a feeling that can't be diluted, that just continues to live on like months or years after you watch the film. And um, I, I feel that way absolutely about all three of these movies, but particularly The Lighthouse and Uncut Gems. I, I haven't rewatched Uncut Gems, actually. Um, I don't think I will ever have to. I remember what happens and I know, I know that KG sells him out. <laughs> I don't know if I will rewatch Uncut Gems, actually. It's very stressful. Um, but speaking of indelible performances, I think that's another thing these three movies have in common, right? Whether it's Michelle Yeoh in Ki Hui Kwan and Stephanie Shu in uh, Everything Everywhere. Um, obviously, Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems. I feel like these 
the 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 part of the joy of these movies is actually those performances that you desperately want to see how much weirder is this going to get how much more are these actors going to give us actually you think about it like the kind of stress the, the uncut gems produces is such a brand for itself um i can like i also can remember the feeling the only other thing that comes close is the bear and we seem to love both <laughs> and i don't know what is wrong with us as a society to and as a, to, as a show <laughs> as a show yeah. that we like stress um I'm everything sorry, but the lighthouse is, is also super stressful super, let's not pretend stressful. it's not <laughs> and and like everything everywhere is our hipster pickler you know we were talking about it before it was popular we like we knew this before any of you guys sort of <laughs> kind of show off thing we said it from the beginning we knew her before you all knew her is is basically <laughs> our version of that so um yeah uh, that those three are weird. The next three, the, the next four actually, um, to close off our show, are our mm, our vibe films. They're all a little bit melancholy. They're all very, very good. And that is Imaginor, Spirited Away, Banshees of Inner Sharon, and In the Mood for Love. They're all also very beautiful, actually. Yeah. Um, mm. Each movie, as you name them, I can... I can ha- I can sort of imagine a particular scene or a particular look or color or uh, you know and and they're all such beautiful movies and more Three than of them just have being fields, eye- actually yeah yeah and more than yeah. just eye candy I feel like they they actually use these visuals in such a special way in terms of telling the story that they're telling oh man like like movies like Imaginor like such a emotional punch but in the best way right like you it's it's a local movie so obviously it was it had like cards stacked against it odds stacked against it um and then it was going to be removed i think and then social media buzz caught on such a good movie and i think one of the best cinema experiences in the last year just like going in sitting there with the crowd that wanted to watch the movie uh, such a cozy film um and also gave it a few rewatches on prime that's one movie that you can watch like so many times and also pick up new details i think yeah um i i loved i mean we all three loved imaginor so much that it was one of those that we urged people to just you know, stop listening to us we're telling you it's very very good um if you have a free evening then maybe you should go right the second so yeah i i 100% agree i think that the thing about the four though imaginor spirited away banshees and in the mood for love is a pervading sense of melancholy that does doesn't feel bad and that can be a hard thing to capture mm. um, to have that kind of uh, sweet sadness that you want to be a part of and that you want to live in and with that doesn't make you feel alienated or weird or alone I think these are movies that make you feel a little bit like you're more human like you're more part of people after you watch it than before you began it gives you the space to kind of have a bit of a cry but without without leaving you feeling bereft it makes you identify the feelings sometimes that the movies are putting forward you don't have to be living in an isolated island in ireland or um in a, With a donkey. magical land yes <laughs> <laughs> um but you feel like these are such human stories. And I think actually that's why movies like these continue to live on in your memory. Um, I constantly think about feelings when I think of these movies more than anything else. Also, I just realized like they all have signature sounds. 
these movies. Yeah. Like, you could play like a random clip from Imagino or Spirited Away or Banshees or In the Mood for Love. And if you've seen these movies, you will immediately know where they are from. You're like, that's the song from Imagino or that's the tune from Spirited Away. Um, that's how they speak in Banshees. <laughs> and that's the music from In the Mood for Love. Like it's so instant, right? Um, really, really signature style, these movies. Also, I wanted to give a bit of love to Spirited Away because it's actually the only animation on our list, despite the fact that we enjoy animation and we've reviewed some yeah. animated films and shows that we really loved. But I think Spirited Away is just such a, an iconic piece of work. Um, it's often referenced in, in this way and it's very well deserved. The thing about it that stands out to me is that with Spirited Away, I, I mean, yeah, I could have gone out and researched Japanese mythology, and I did actually after watching the movie. But you don't need that in order to understand what it's trying to get at with the use of mythology. And the same thing goes for banshees. It's helpful if you know what a banshee is. Um, it's helpful if you understand the, the Irishness of the film. But you don't need to in order to understand um, that feeling of... For example, loneliness in the case of Banshees and in the case of Spirited Away of trying to get back to something of growing up. I think Spirited Away um, is interesting in this list also because it talk it, it really shows you the potential that something like animation has for doing this kind of storytelling. Yeah. It completely moves away from animation is, is for kids, which Pixar still does half-half. Uh, but like with Spirited Away, it's like, it's not even about animation, actually. It's about what it's trying to do. I think it's also interesting that they are such big concept movies that talk about such small and intimate and cozy things. Like you said, like like human stuff, right? Um, stuff like Banshees, there's a war going on in Banshees um, and they're talking about big things like political things and, and, you know, fighting all that stuff. But it's about, you know, just this loneliness, just two people and friendship. Um, I think all the movies have that. Imagine also sci-fi movie, but it's talking about something very, very basic. Um, and I think that's why they resonate with a lot of people. So uh, that is our favorite 15 of the films that we have reviewed over our time on air in honor of BFM's 15th anniversary. We'll list them all uh, in our podcast descriptor. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, and to another 15, to infinity and beyond, as they say, um, let us know, is there a film you wish we'd included or that you'd kick out? heresy. Uh, you can WhatsApp 018-789-8899 Tweet us at BFM Radio Write to us at movies at bfm.my You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app 